Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Forward Curve. Hello and welcome to The Forward Curve, the weekly podcast covering the commodity markets and the global economy, brought to you by Gold Street Advisors, the independent research and advisory firm. In today's episode, we will review the Biden administration's proposed $2 trillion American jobs plan. I'm Christian Klavodecher, and joining me will be our chief analyst, Robin Barr. So, Robin, let's go ahead and take on this Goliath beast. Thanks, Christian. On the face of it, the $2 trillion American jobs plan is bullish for industrial commodities, and especially metals such as copper, aluminum, nickel, and zinc, and the list goes on. However, the devil, as always, is in the detail. Investment in infrastructure is always metals-intensive, but we have to know exactly how much will be spent on specific items, for how long, and indeed, spread over how many years. That's right. So, Robert, give us a rundown of the main features of the AJP. Okay, well, this is labelled an energy and climate spending plan, uh, and that features prominently. In fact, it draws anything the US has seen to date. And we can run through the main features pretty quickly. So rebooting the grid. So pointing to Texas's recent drama as a symptom of America's decaying power grid, the plan envisages using an investment tax credit to spur the construction of power lines to create a more resilient transmission system. So think of the copper for the um, cabling, also aluminum as well is used in low power cables. So uh, driving renewables. So Biden wants a 10-year extension and an expansion of investment and production tax credits again for clean energy generation and storage. That policymakers say could cause renewable spending and investment in clean energy jobs to skyrocket. And again, to use the example of copper, to some extent silver, it's a multiple of current demand levels for both of those uh, two metals. Decarbonizing power, you've heard a lot about. The plan also incorporates Biden's campaign pledge to set a federal clean energy standard which would achieve carbon-free electricity production by 2035. But details are lacking, and academics disagree over whether it could survive the congressional reconciliation process. And finally, and perhaps the most keenly looked at plan is uh, electric vehicles. Uh, We're all going to be driving those, aren't we, in in a few years to come. Winning the EV war, as Biden terms it. He wants to pump 174 billion dollars into EVs. Uh, And this is really uh, a bid to win the market back from China, which China's in a lot of things is leading the way. But Europe's catching up. He wants to kickstart domestic supply chains and vehicle manufacture. And through a program of grants and incentives, roll out 500,000 chargers by 2030. So if we look at the alphabet A to Z for metals, all one of those are going to benefit. Yeah, for sure. Although it does sound like the term infrastructure is being used quite liberally here. And I'll ask you to pardon the pun on that. Uh, Do you have any more specific details? As we said earlier, the devil is in the detail. This is a two trillion infrastructure package and spanning 10 years. Uh, And as Biden sees it, it's a once in a generation investment in America, unlike anything we've seen or done since we built the interstate highway system and the space age 
or the space race decades ago. Um, and just detailing some of the expenditures, and there's a whole list, so we don't want to uh, to go through everything, but some highlights. $115 billion to modernise 20,000 miles of highways, roads and streets. $85 billion to modernise existing transit agencies. $80 billion to Amtrak. $25 billion to airports and $17 billion to inland waterways, ports and ferries. A mighty 300 billion towards boosting manufacturing, of which 50 billion would go to semiconductors. Uh, and we all know about the shortage uh, affecting um, many industries. And another 30 billion would go to medical manufacturing. 213 billion towards building, renovating, retrofitting more than 2 million homes and housing units. 111 billion to rebuild the water infrastructure replacing all the nation's lead pipes, so not good for lead, and service lines. And finally, uh, and by no means uh, an exhaustive list, 100 billion to build new public schools and upgrade existing buildings. So I think I would agree it's twisting that infrastructure label pretty wide, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And certainly hitting some rather eye-watering numbers there. But for those of us who don't pay a lot of attention to the politics of all this, we should point out that the passage of this bill is by no means guaranteed. That's right. It's all about the politics, isn't it? The bill is going to have a difficult path through Congress as Republicans want no part of the corporate tax hikes that will pay for it, while even progressive Democrats say it is not nearly big enough. The complexity of negotiations and the possibility the package could be broken into several parts means lawmakers don't see completion until September or October this year, or is it October next year? <laughs> Fair point. How will this massive bill be paid for aside from the corporate tax hikes you mentioned a moment ago? Yeah. Um, so in order to partly pay for it, a number of tax loopholes on US companies with overseas operations will be closed. So that's uh, one. Uh, and the corporate tax uh, that companies paid would be raised to 28% from the current 21% over a 15-year time frame. So it's taxes, taxes, and high taxes. Yeah, got it. Now, there is certainly a sense of deja vu that comes from hearing an American administration talk about infrastructure spending. There sure is. One reason the markets have had a relatively muted reaction to this recent proposal for infrastructure spend, and, and metal prices haven't soared any higher than they were a month ago, might be attributable to the notion that investors have seen this movie before, three times in fact. So 2008-09, the spending package contained money for shovel-ready projects, but these never really got off the ground as heavily strapped states held on to these funds. Markets got giddy again in the wake of uh, Trump's election and promised to spend on infrastructure and the dramatic surge in metal prices that ensued. As it turned out, infrastructure spending under Mr. Trump never materialized and the robust price gains subsequently fizzled going into 2017. So we had takeoff just after the election, metal prices soaring, and then it all went flat. It remains to be seen if Mr. Biden fares any better, as he will need a 60-vote majority to get his legislation through. However, the administration is not ruling out manoeuvring this through on a simple majority. 
either on a reconciliation motion, which is controversial, or possibly doing away with the filibuster altogether, even more controversial. So there you have it. Many more questions than answers, and a reason perhaps why metals and their prices are not getting carried away just yet. Something we strive for here at the Forward Curve is objectivity, and we do our best to avoid taking partisan positions. We also stay away from presenting the issues of the day through a distinctly political lens, a practice that has become rampant in today's news reporting, or perhaps more appropriately, an editorial fare being passed off as reporting. Rest assured, the only perspective we are interested in here at the Forward Curve is the economic one, and we promise to maintain that practice in all our episodes. I want to thank Robin for joining me today, and I also want to thank you for joining us. Please be sure to subscribe to The Forward Curve on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Christian Klavodecher, and on behalf of the Gold Street Advisors team, I thank you for listening. And remember to always keep an eye and ear on The Forward Curve.